everyone, I'm Susan and I'm here with the crew recording our first podcast for Beyond the Pandemic. So I'll let everybody introduce themselves. Hi, I'm Carly. Hi, I'm Katie. I'm Maria. I'm Kashika. Okay, so I'm going to kick things off by saying that all of us were affected by the pandemic in a lot of different ways. So let's open up the floor. Um, Carly, why don't you start by talking about your blog a little bit? Okay, my blog is about um, sort of COVID and its connection with romantic relationships um, and how a lot of people, there is this trend of everybody's at home bored out of their mind, so why not like swipe through Tinder? And Tinder um, released this new feature that was previously a, like a premium, you had to pay for it feature, um, which is that you could change your location to anywhere in the world. They made that free. So people could match with anyone. And people started like entering relationships without ever having met in person because of the pandemic. and border closures and complete lockdowns and they fell in love completely online without having met and then eventually they meet in person and sometimes it's a success story sometimes not so much so it was basically a, a piece on how online dating and dating at large has been changed by covid okay <laughs> and uh, what inspired you to write that blog post I have been in an international long-distance relationship for a while now, um, but that predates COVID. I did not meet my, my boyfriend um, the way that these people met. We met in person, lived in the same place for a while, and then moved to different locations. Um, and we were apart for about 10 months during COVID. It was really difficult. Um, but then in December of 2020, I moved to Toronto and now we've been living together ever since. So it's, it's really great. I have a question for you. So when you were talking to your boyfriend online during this 10 months that you were apart and doing lockdowns and everything, were you putting makeup on or you were just on your jammies talking to him as if you were uh, at the same place? I don't know. It depended, <laughs> depended on the day, depended on how I was feeling. I was definitely struggling with depression as everyone has been during COVID. I'd be eager to hear about your blog and how you wrote about anxiety relief during COVID. Um, sometimes if we had, you know, a specific like planned online Zoom date, I would put makeup on but really minimal makeup. But then if we were just, you know, a random phone call here and there, a random FaceTime here and there, we'd been together for a while. We were comfortable. I didn't feel the need to put makeup on. Okay. Yeah, I wrote about uh, coping with anxiety and there are lots of things that you can do, like, for example, breathing exercises or eat, eating healthily or also doing therapy even, that's a good idea for people who are really struggling. But what I wanted to ask about your makeup habits during the pandemic was because Katie actually wrote a very interesting piece about cosmetic industry and how it was affected by the pandemic. So Katie, can you tell us a little bit more about that? Oh, thank you for calling it interesting. Um, so my blog post was 
kind of a combination of commentary on the industry, but also my own personal journey with makeup during the pandemic. On the more business side, obviously, at the start of the pandemic, colored cosmetics just sales plummeted because obviously people were more concerned with securing household items, stocking up on masks that we all suddenly needed to wear for the next 16 months. And people were more concerned with at-risk family members, job security, cosmetics were just a non-issue at the time. And then even as the pandemic continued on, there was kind of a dichotomy of people that were both relieved that they didn't have to wear makeup anymore due to social pressures and staying at home. Then there were some people that also kind of thought it feigned a sense of normalcy to wake up, throw on some makeup for their working from home routine, and it helped separate their workday versus their personal day, even though they're all staying at home during the same time. At the beginning of the pandemic, I definitely fell more into the kind of the faintest sense of normalcy. Like I rarely left the house. And if I did, it was only to get groceries. So I made those days a whole event. I would do my hair, throw on some makeup, and it did kind of give me a sense of everything's fine, everything's normal. But the longer that I had to just stay at home and kind of sit with myself without makeup on, I really got used to it. I definitely years ago wore so much more makeup than I do now, even though I have some on because, you know, representing the blog, <laughs> it's definitely so much more natural than it used to be for sure. Awesome. I like how all, all of, of our blogs, they tie together, right? Because Carly wrote about relationships. And if you are on a long distance relationship, you get anxious. You need ways to relieve your anxiety. Sometimes putting makeup on makes you feel better. But there's another way of releasing anxiety as well, which is doing something that you enjoy. And Susan, for example, enjoys reading. So Susan, if you can tell a little bit more about your blog post for us as well. Sure. So my blog post is about how reading helped me get through the pandemic. So I always have a goal for how many books I want to read every year. So I am a reader and my goal for 2020 was to read 30 books. Now I beat that significantly. I actually ended up reading 105 books. And the reason for that was partially because like many Canadians and like many people around the world, I was laid off. So I had a lot of free time. As a result, I ended up doing two things. So I started working out and I started reading more. And I was able to do both at the same time because I was listening to audiobooks. So something that I say in my blog is that, you know, there are some purists out there who think that audiobooks aren't really reading. And I'm here to say that that's not true. If you listen to an audiobook, you are reading. I disagree. Sure, go ahead. I think that purists, maybe like you, Carly, may not think that, you know, you're getting the same experience. But to be completely honest, sometimes you're getting an even better experience. So one of my top seven books was A Very Punchable Face by Colin Jost. He is the anchor of Weekend Update on SNL. So He's very used to speaking and he's very funny. So listening to him read his own book was a completely different experience because he was able to deliver every line like it was a joke. I would go for walks by myself because obviously we weren't allowed to see each other. So <clears throat> that was kind of depressing. But going for a walk while listening to Colin Jost 
talk about how he pooped in his pants while he was golfing. I was crying <laughs> laughing. I was literally crying, tears coming out of my eyes because it was so funny. I probably looked like a crazy person because I was walking down a sidewalk laughing, just <laughs> laughing. So yeah, you don't get that same experience when you're reading the book, when you're physically reading the book. So, you know, fight me. I'm sure, that, I'm sure the people around you definitely thought you were a crazy woman but if then at that point especially if it's his own book which I don't think it's like a common experience in the audiobook narration world if it's his own book and he's communicating his own thoughts at that point it's basically just like a podcast but I don't know I think it's definitely more of like a a broad philosophical thing like I, I still write notes I still write to-do lists I still write things in a, a physical calendar. If I need to read something like uh, an article or whatever, like I would print it out and, and read it and highlight it and take notes in the margins. I can't read on a laptop screen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right here, I'm, I'm holding a book and it's called Mistborn by Brandon Sanderson. So this is a good example of a book I own and you can see it's very, it's very destroyed. I've lent it to people and I've read it twice, but I also own the audiobook. And what's great about that is I can go back and forth between both. And it's a wonderful, wonderful experience to listen to someone tell the story and then go and read it before bed or go and read it on the couch. So I would say that listening and reading go very, very well together. How do you reread books? Like, I've just never been able to do that. I'm also not really good at rereading, I'm sorry, rewatching movies or rewatching TV. I just get very bored because I know what's going to happen. For starters, uh, that lends itself to another part of my, uh, my blog where I talk about how many Canadians started rereading books because they weren't able to get books from the library. So for a lot of people, that wasn't even an option. They were able to read the books that they already own or, you know, what else would they do? Maybe they'd try to order books online, but books weren't as available. Uh, one of the great things about rereading books is you go back and you see all the things that you missed. So like when you're reading a mystery or something like that, sometimes the author puts in subtle hints that you don't pick up on the first time you read it. And that's one way that you can really get more out of a book that you've read more than once. Now, this wasn't on my list, but Harry Potter, how many people, has anybody here reread Harry Potter? No? Okay, well, this is another book that I both own the physical copy and the audiobooks. And I actually own the audiobooks with two different narrators. So I, I technically own Harry Potter three times. So we spoke a lot about reading and how fun it is to do that and how people uh, realized uh, how to reread books and everything else. We have another blog post about uh, new habits, but we're going to go for a quick break. And then when we're back, we're going to talk more about that. See you guys soon. Hi, everyone. Welcome back from the break. So we just had a pretty lively discussion about audiobooks versus hard copy and 
how you're supposed to read books. I'd actually be really interested in hearing Kashika's take on this because in her blog post, Five Hobbies, that she picked up during the pandemic, she actually talked about that reading was one of them. So Cash, if you had anything to say about that or anything about the rest of your blog, I'd be really interested. Yeah, so I was always an avid reader growing up, but then I kind of stopped when like high school and university started because like studies took over. But then during the pandemic, I found myself being really bored because there was not much to do. So I started to pick up reading again. And personally, I don't really listen to audiobooks. I have nothing against it, but it's just not... I haven't tried it out, to be fair. I haven't given it a shot. But um, I was always against, you know, like Kindles or Kobos, like the digital e-readers. I was like, oh no, I don't want that. Like I want like a hard copy. I want to go through the pages. I want to be able to go through it and like feel my my progress throughout it. But then I gave it a shot. My brother gave me an e-reader and I actually really like it because you can change like the setting of the screen so you can read like in bed and it doesn't hurt your eyes. So I actually like that. And it shows you like the progress at the bottom. There's like a line showing you like how much you've read. So that's my take. I like those two, like a physical or an e-reader. But yeah, some of my other hobbies I picked up was podcasting with my sister. Shout out the Ambiguous Podcast. So we started that just as two sisters who are like Indo-Canadian sharing our perspective on different things going on, like whether it be pop culture, politics, things we're loving. Um, I also picked up journaling. So back to Carly's point about writing things down. I really found that writing helped me with my anxiety tied in with Maria. Um, It really helped my mental health for sure. I felt like a weight lifted off my shoulders. So it's been really good. And I like challenged myself to write at least something every day. So I just you know, some people like confide in other people, which I I totally understand, like I do that too. But sometimes you just want to like write things out on paper, and like, go back and look at it, see your progress of like how you've been doing throughout the year. I've also been baking a lot. Shout out the Bahal Bites on Instagram. (laughs) Following. I I noticed. Thank you. So supportive. Thank you. Your baking looks amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we actually invested in um, a stand mixer, and it's oh. the best thing ever. Her name is yeah. Charlotte. And name <laughs> for Charlotte, she's great. I love her so much. It's so helpful. Like, I don't know if you guys bake, and hand mixers are just not it. It splashes everywhere. It's not fun. It's just no. Yeah, agreed. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. I, I stress made a batch of brownies last night and it was real sad with my spatula and a metal bowl. <laughs> I was very inspired after reading your book. Of your five hobbies, is there one that I don't know really stands out to you as being your favorite? Or like now that the world is starting to get back to normal, is there one that you're like, I'm gonna take this with me? I one of my hobbies was starting TikTok, like creating TikToks. So I feel like right now I'm really thriving in that world I love watching TikToks creating them I could do better I could do better but I feel like it's probably between TikTok and journaling okay um Maria what do you think about that and journaling and anxiety 
it's interesting that you all said that like cooking and baking and journaling helps you with uh, anxiety and it's interesting because if you think about it cooking is a form of meditating isn't it when you were cooking you were really invested on it and you uh just clear your mind and after you finished it you're relaxed and you feel good about yourself because the final result normally at least is delicious it may not look good but it's delicious right it's sugar i mean and journaling is a form of therapy so not a lot of people are comfortable of speaking to a therapist or speaking to someone else but when you are journaling you are putting out your feelings right so it is a mm -hmm. form of therapy because therapy is that is organizing your thoughts and uh, saying out loud what is inside of you on my blog i spoke about five ways and um, my favorite one is the breathing technique because it basically works uh, in any situation so all you have to do is basically Uh, breathing for four seconds, hold it for one, for four seconds, and breathe out for four seconds. That works really well. Are there any uh, meditation apps that you've used during this pandemic? There is one that's called Calm that is really yeah. good. Um, but after a while, after you start, especially with breathing exercises, sometimes you cannot concentrate while you're doing it. So that's why it's good to have a, an app because you have something in front of you and you're following what you're supposed to do. But after a while, it just becomes a habit and you can just like close your eyes and relax and just do it without anything helping it basically. And if you think about anxiety, anxiety is basically because normally when you are anxious, you're hyperventilating, right? And that makes you, your body, you know, it puts you in an alert stage, let's put it this way. So anything that can help you breathe better is going to make you calmer. And that's why uh, breathing exercises are very good for that. And also exercising, like physical exercising is good for it as well, because in the end of the day, it's helping you to get all that oxygen in all the organs of your body, especially your brain. So it releases substances that you need to feel calmer. So if you want to read more about it, go to our blog, read it there, basically. I have a question for you. Um, is anxiety something that you sort of always dealt with or is that something that's been specific to the pandemic or is it something you've always had that sort of got worse during the pandemic? I would say that it got worse during the pandemic. And I would say that I'm not the only person who would say that. I think a lot of people uh, actually realized they were anxious during the pandemic because everybody had to stop, right? And when you stop, that's when you realize that maybe there's something wrong that you should be looking at. So yes, I would say that it got worse. And I would say that I'm not alone in that. And when you think that we live in a globalized world, I think our generations, because we're two generation here, I think we are very used to uh, mobility. We are not used to having uh, to stay somewhere and feeling stuck somewhere. We are used to traveling. We are used to going to places. And even if you don't realize that, that was really hard on us emotionally, the feeling that you are stuck somewhere and you lost your freedom somehow. Um, so yeah, I think that's, that's what uh, made most of the people anxious. Like Carly, for example, with her relationship, 
you are in the middle of your life, uh, you graduated college, you're starting your life, and then all of a sudden you're stuck, you know, you can't really go anywhere and you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. There is a lot of fear involved as well. So yeah, actually, how was, how was it for you to spend 10 months without knowing what was going to happen next, basically? When my boyfriend and I were in a, a regular long distance relationship pre-COVID, what would really help with with anxiety and sort of like the dread that's associated with parting ways after a visit is that on the the last night that we would be together we would always book the next trip there was always something to look forward to you always knew there was a light at the end of the tunnel and you you knew when it was going to happen and you knew when you were going to reunite the last time I saw him pre-pandemic was the first week of March and he came to New York where I'm from and then the entire time we were separated on top of you know we we were used to being apart we were used to living our lives separately having to communicate um, on text and call and FaceTime and you know dealing with the ups and downs of life physically by ourselves we we were fine with that i think you know what makes it hard what made it hard and what makes it hard for couples the couples that i wrote about in my blog is, is the not knowing the not knowing when you could see each other the not knowing when borders will open the not knowing when lockdowns will be stopped people had to get really creative with how to keep the keep the spark alive have things to talk about because when you're doing nothing what is there for you to talk about with your partner i think in my case like i said we had this foundation of having lived in the same place um, and dated normally for a while so it's really interesting to me to think about how do you create that foundation completely online is it the same is it different is it in some ways deeper because the physical element is like completely off the table? It's not even an option for you to explore. So you're forced to really develop a great communication skills. Well, when you were talking about being really creative, that actually made me think about Katie's blog. So she talks a lot about makeup and it also kind of brings it back to Kashika's blog when she talks about TikTok. So those two things go really well together. I think that a lot of people started watching TikToks of how to do better makeup. So what other connections are there to makeup and the pandemic, Katie? Well, I think that the pandemic kind of unintentionally started this really big emphasis on natural beauty. Because I mean, simply the logistics side of things, half your face is covered by a mask. So that some people kind of have the idea of, oh, well, then I'll just put mascara on, or some people say, I don't bother at all. I think consumers were unintentionally shifting their needs to desire more natural products, and that kind of forced makeup companies to kind of cater to what people wanted. For example, in my blog, I mentioned Fenty Beauty has a new skin tint when prior to the pandemic, their biggest product was a completely matte full coverage foundation, <laughs> especially brands like Glossier, Tower 28, or Kosas Cosmetics that I also mentioned. Before the pandemic, people kind of already associated them with natural beauty or sheer coverage. And for some people, 
that was simply not what they were interested in. But for a lot of companies during the pandemic, they found themselves in an interesting position where suddenly their products that they already had available were suddenly mainstream. So for a lot of companies, they were forced to kind of completely shift their ethos to meet this more natural beauty standard that was set when that really wasn't there before. I remember actually telling my childhood best friend what my blog was about and I was saying how I changed my makeup habits and and only the way that a best friend can she was like yeah you used to wear a lot of makeup. <laughs> it's been really weird to like really prefer seeing you know my natural face what I look like so that's been a positive change. I think it would be interesting just right now to take a poll like how many of us are wearing makeup. Mm-hmm. That would be I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> Zooms into my screen to look. <laughs> I am. I am wearing makeup and the Zoom filter. <laughs> the Zoom filter. Oh, oh, yeah. oh, yeah, the Zoom filter. Oh, yeah, I perpetually <laughs> use the Zoom filter. Just to make a, a what's the shameless plug, if we want to talk about other, you know, lessons learned um, to come from the pandemic, uh, Despite how challenging and sort of unorthodox uh, the, the couples that I wrote about are in my blog post of how their relationships came to be, I also shared um, some reflections that they've shared online and, and lessons that I think we as a society now that, that the world is opening up and dating can return to normal, some lessons that we can take as we re-enter the dating world. So go check out my blog. <laughs> we'll do. We'll do. We'll do. Well, this has been a really good discussion, everybody. It was really interesting to see how all of our blogs are kind of intertwined and how they're all related somewhat. And one thing that I'd like to say is that none of us have actually met in person. So despite the pandemic being you know, a really negative thing in a lot of ways. In some ways, it's been positive. And that's how you make relationships online. We've all become such good friends. All right, well, this has been Beyond the Pandemic. Thanks for listening, everybody.